Matt. Peter. Stop making bird sounds. We're, we're recording now. <laughs> uh, you're going to blame me for the birds in the background, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'm recording in nature and we have birds. And uh, I can't just tell them to go away. <laughs> that would be rude. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Uh, to the listeners, I'm sorry we're late this week, um, but we got a little emergency, literally. And uh, yeah. we weren't able to record at our normal time. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, so far so good. Um, I had some trouble with my leg yesterday. <laughs> a doctor has looked at it and uh, I was allowed to record a podcast. So. Okay. All right. Good. I hope it's <laughs> hope it stays normal. And yeah. yeah, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Um you got some updates this week? I think so. I know so. <laughs> well, you it sounds like you're still coding, designing. Yeah. Yeah, I am and it's going it's going really well. I'm yeah, I'm 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 happy. So I'm happy to talk about that. And yeah, I think I've got some manager updates too. So that's exciting. How nice. about you? You're you're back on the manager. <laughs> yeah, the manager is uh doing a little bit of work when he has to these days. <laughs> yeah, I got a few things I can talk about. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, sure. So I just had a partnership call. It was actually a double partnership call, which is a first for me. So I'm meeting with two hosting companies uh, that mm. also work together. Oh, but cool. uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, talking about how basically Branch can help their sales teams um, in those types of conversations where their potential customers need something that they don't offer in-house and where a tool like Branch is, is what you need. So I think all sales team in kind of like the WordPress space, they have things they recommend. Um, mm -hmm. Some have stronger opinions than other, but my, in my experience, like often it's, it's just whatever someone knew, like whatever, five years ago or something, they'll get the job done. And right. they have, you know, a little bit of documentation or something like that. And it might, you know, not be super updated or anything like that, but at least it's something to like keep a sales conversation going. Um, but hopefully like I can offer something that is a better fit for that. And that is kind of, you know, built entirely for their platform and the technology they use and knows about the specific hosting platforms. So, at least what I'm I'm hearing is that, that that's super appealing for these sales engineers and solution engineers. They have different names and different companies, but that's something I'm pretty excited about. It's something that, you know, all this stuff with sales and marketing and traction and it's it's taking longer than I hoped it would a year ago. But these things and these kinds of partnerships just take time. And it takes time to build the kind of trust that makes uh, a sales engineer confident, you know, relying on your tool to close a deal and relying on you answering emails and stuff like that when his new customer needs it. Yeah. But I feel like it's the, the pieces are 
starting to fall into place and this is something that's slowly starting to work and i'm actually pretty excited about it i think it's a really good this is basically what i hope would happen with the partnerships and it's like slowly starting to happen it's nice yeah this reminds me of the quote um that i tweeted out actually earlier this week but um there's a partner andrews and horowitz uh named alex rample but he said the battle between every startup and incumbent comes down to whether the incumbent innovates before the startup gets distribution. Hmm. Yeah, that's actually really good. Yeah, and it, it, as startups, we often think that like innovation is the challenge, but like for startups, innovation is um, let's just conflate that to mean you know invention, something new, something better, cheaper, faster, better, etc. Like that's it's hard, but then. Yeah the actual battlefield is whether or not you, Peter, can get branch distributed and not distributed in the sense of like syndicated where people know about it on Twitter. But when I think of distribution, I always like to think of actually placing the software into the hands of the user or into the, you know, into the workflow of the user, like right there when it makes the most sense, getting it on their screen. (laughs) yes that's hard when i want like when an agency schedules a sales call or a sales demo with a hosting company and they see kind of like the sales pitch deck i want branch to be in there as a solution exactly and uh, yeah fingers crossed that's something we'll be able to do so that's been really good uh, that's probably the most exciting thing on the manager side. We also got a new customer, which was exciting. Someone who tried the tool uh, like seven or eight months ago, I think, hmm. and decided to come back and give it another try and got excited and ran out of belts and upgraded to the paid plan. And uh, that felt really good. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. It feels good when the kind of like the engine is working a little bit. Yeah, and, that is uh, great. Yeah. So on the maker side, we released team access recently, and then now we're working on the pricing. Um, and today we released basically an update that added everyone to a free plan in Stripe, which is a prerequisite uh, for what we want to do. Like we want to be able to basically use the new Stripe self-serve portal or billing portal to for like our users to manage their subscription and kind of like the way you can switch between plan is that everything is its own product in Stripe. So even the free plan is now a product in Stripe. Um, So everyone needs to basically have like a Stripe customer ID and a Stripe subscription ID. Mm. So we had like a little migration script we needed to run today. And uh, it was kind of funny, like we, we were doing a tuple call here you go, Ben. And um, <laughs> and we were kind of like, we deployed this and then we ran the script and uh, we built it in a way that if it failed, we could just, you know, start from where it had stopped, obviously. Um, and it failed a couple of times because we had some old users um, that had been deleted, but sort of like was in an invalid state in the database. Um so, but it was fun to like, okay, are you ready? We're going to run it again. And we were on a call and then eventually we got through all the users. We got, I think we got almost 400 users in the database now. So it so, was fun. 
<laughs> I, I'm curious, how do you decide, how did you make that decision of whether or not to put free users into Stripe? Because there's kind of, I mean, you don't have to, of course. No. What was the, yes, what was your reasoning for that? Because I've, I've thought about it and I definitely haven't yet. Um, yeah. So the, yeah. the main reason right now is that if it, we want to use the built-in Stripe stuff for now, and in order to do that, so, so if you want to use a self-serve portal for someone to upgrade to another plan, uh, they already need to be assigned to a plan. So otherwise, we would have to use Stripe Checkout, which is more of a like, sort of like an e-commerce product. It looks more like an e-commerce checkout. That's what we have right now. Definitely. And then, right. so then they would have to go from free to paid within Stripe Checkout. And then if they wanted to go from the paid to the next tier, they would see the billing portal, which looks different. Um, so we wanted them to kind of like have the same experience. So it's like, as soon as you sign up, you already have a subscription basically. And this is like where you manage it. So you get to the, the Stripe billing screen. You can add your card if you haven't. And you can switch to a paid plan, which is also like you're going to be asked to um, to add a card. And it's a more seamless experience for the user. And then the other the other use case is we want to be able to have an affiliate program. And so either we would need to, need to tag people in the database or now with this solution, we can have a third-party tool that just tags um, the Stripe customer. And because they're a customer from day one, they can tag them. But you know, if someone mm. signed up with an affiliate partner and then they upgraded to paid a month later, we would have to keep track of them for that month. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So you really need these folks in data. Yeah, and we need Stripe to know about them. Mm -hmm. um, Got it. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's a good thing that and I added the uh, filter out free subscriptions from my summit analysis. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess like even for metrics as well, like it's nice to see the free users as well. Why not? It it is. Yeah, no, it is for sure. As long as you can segment, that's great. Yeah. And a lot of stuff has changed in Stripe recently. Um, since just a couple of days ago that we tested this locally um, on our with our test data, um, it was called plans. Within a product, you had plans, but now it's called prices. So all the IDs are now price underscore something instead of plan underscore something. And previously, like plans in Stripe were the different plans you had for your SaaS. So you would create plans for different tiers, basically. But right now, they have products. So you actually, the recommended way by Stripe now is you create products for each tier in your app. And then the prices are to disti distinguish between annual payments and monthly payments and maybe different currencies and stuff like that. But it's basically the same. It's this, just different prices for the same product. And in our case, a product would be a tier in the app, right? Hmm. Yeah, so, I, I, I have to dive in to really understand like the the taxonomy. Are yeah, you saying that so they, got, they got rid of plans, or they still yeah. have plans? Oh, plans they, are gone. Yeah. Oh. If you had pla existing plans, they're now now called prices. Um, they still have their old IDs, so they didn't change the old IDs. So you'll if you go to your if to the page where you can see your prices. The, the ID would still be plan underscore something for your old ones, but they're now called prices. So there was just a lot of things that we kind of mm -hmm. like had to 
switch to now and like understand like the new way of doing things in Stripe. Um, hmm. But we ran the migration today and so far everything's been all right. So the next step for us now is to relaunch with the, the billing portal or the self-serve portal that Stripe has. I'm not sure if it's still in beta, but um, we have access to it at least in our Stripe account. Hmm. And uh, hopefully we get that out um, tomorrow or Friday because uh, Bjorn has done most of the work already. Um, but it's just, there's a lot of different, you know, nuances and like webhooks you need to make sure that you listen for if people switch plans or cancel or something like that. Yeah, interesting. But the UI is good and it's like a super nice and clean experience for people to, in in the settings and branch, we have a tab now called billing. And when you click it, you get like the big overlay that's striped, but has branch branding on it and oh. you can see the different plans and like a nice looking ui okay and you can update your cards and manage all cards you can see your invoices stuff like that so that's actually really good do you pass along how does the user authenticate with their stripe account or do they not need to because you're doing something in the background or yeah how does, yeah they... i think we create like a token or something on the back end but the stripe php library does that really so i think all we do is like tell the Stripe PHP library that we want to see the, the screen for this user with this uh, customer ID based mm -hmm. on which user is locked in currently. Cool. So the so the self-serve portal actually goes in line into your site or your product. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't require additional authentication on the user's part. Nope. Nice. No, it's in the URL. It's a Stripe URL, but it's kind of like... Um, it's pretty seamless because you click something. It's not even an overlay there. It's actually not right. It's you you link to a Stripe page, um, but you are authenticated before you redirect. Um, oh, cool! So you are they are re they are authenticated, and then after they've done done something, they're redirected back to your site, and you can just tell them where to go after they're done. That sounds really slick. I'll tell you. Have to check that out again. Every time Stripe adds something new, I re-examine my Charge B Stripe decision. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, related to that, I just signed up for paid Barometrics account. So, just to kind of right. like continue the saga here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really sad when I locked in and I, I didn't. My trial had expired, and I was like, "But I need this." So it was a no-brainer for me to sign up for paid plan. Cool. Yeah. Cool. They did a good job of convincing me. Nice. Um, yeah. So with the billing portal stuff being released, hopefully later this week, this is also Bjorn's last full time week for now. Okay. Um, so starting next week, he'll be working only one day a week, which is a big change, of course. I think it'll be two half days, which is nice. Um, but yeah, we'll see what works. Uh, best for both of us but uh yeah that's going to be a big change obviously um but i also feel really good about where we are with the product and i'm just excited to get the new pricing out and i'll have a lot of just talking to existing and new users about the changes in the pricing and um, stuff like that so i think it'll be all right that's great and also I uh, sorry no it's great that it's in a, a place where that transition isn't we said this before but you know that transition is not more painful than it has to be in terms of lost lost momentum or or just progress on different things so so um, yeah for sure yeah 
And I got some nice uh, validation earlier. I got an email from someone who I think I had been talking to at a conference and talked about Branch, obviously. And he finally signed up and he got to his first green build. And then when you when you have your first green build in Branch, you get an email that says, and eh, we're green. And it has like emojis <laughs> and stuff. So sometimes people get excited as well and, and reply to that email, which is nice. Um, but he replied and he was super excited about the product. Um, but he was worried that the pricing wouldn't work out for his work, basically, his the agency that he works for. Mm-hmm. And was kind of like asking if we had plans that supported their size and usage better. Mm-hmm. And it was just another one of like those kind of like the feedback I've gotten recently where it's it's telling me that we're doing the right right thing by revamping the prices because it's really holding us back right now. Like we're saying that we are the preferred tool for agencies and our pricing doesn't work for them really well. So it's it's kind of like the pricing is saying the opposite thing and it's it's yeah. just it was nice to get that email because it basically confirmed um yeah. that we're doing the right thing and I sent him the the new plans and 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 they just resonated more with him. Oh great. That's that's good. Yeah. 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 To be confident that you're improving the right things. That's that's great. Cool. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's my update. And right. uh, let's hear what uh, what you got. Yeah, what do I got? Curious um, to curious <laughs> to see what manager stuff you've been up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, what? Where's the time for the manager? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. On the manager side, I have just been um, just been thinking a little bit about the future, allowing myself to think a little bit farther ahead than the current um, product sprint, and um, having a couple conversations with folks that would really have a big impact on the future. Um, you know, specifically on the partnership side, similar to you. And, um, I think all I'd say at this point is those are going well. Um, there's a company that I'm talking to that's got just a tremendous amount of distribution in the space and had my probably, I guess it was, was that third or fourth, third or fourth call with them? Um, just uh in the last seven days and that went really well again and they're very excited about what summit is and what it can do and um yeah if if we end up working together formally there would just be you know an incredible amount of distribution that goes part and parcel with that now obviously we'd have to figure out what that means and etc but um so in other words you know (laughs) what does it mean for Summit to be something that their customers see and get to use and benefit from, et cetera. But it is a really exciting um, opportunity. It's just sitting out yeah, there. It sounds exciting. Yeah. And I mean, just like in, in, t- in terms of, I, I don't think I could ask for a better possible partner in, in a way. I mean, then, then these ones I'm talking to, I'll say partners. I, I'm, I'm really, it's kind of crazy. Like, I remember the first, when I started Storm Pulse, my, my first startup, it was just so difficult, like you said, to get the trust in place that begets distribution and these partnerships. Mm. I think that I have the unfair advantage, let's say, this time hmm. around 
of, of just being able to say like from the first call, this is my second startup. This is what I'm doing. This is why I know it's the right thing to do. And they still ask me hard questions, but the confidence that you get from having done these things before, and then the confidence that that um, engenders in them, it's really, it's, it's really hard to, you can't, it's hard to describe. I mean, it's hard to quantify. It's just, but it's real. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so just all that flowing together at the right time, I just feel really fortunate. So I'm, I'm excited about uh, this and we'll be um, sharing more as these things come together. And, and even if they don't, I'm still really excited about the product, which is the, uh, which is the maker side of my updates. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, the manager is, is doing well from a, from just a timing and distribution perspective. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm also, I guess, as a backdrop to that, just really confident that this is the right, um, this is the right time for this product. You know, there's, there's like, it feels like there's, and I know a lot of this is, um, just based on my own selection bias filtering that, that I do, like who I, <laughs> who I follow and what I read, but there's, there's no shortage of folks who are all kind of circling this idea at the same time and the need for it is there. Um, I just can honestly say, I feel like I'm a year or two ahead of, of those um, ideas because I, I've been working on it for a while now. So uh, well, my, my Mabel confident. says that you need to be living in the future. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's been lonely up until now, but now there's, um, <laughs> now there's a lot of other, a lot of the interest, um, which is great. So it's, um, you can be, one can be too early, um, on these things. <laughs> yes. And, and I really feel like, um, I'm not too early this time. I, I feel like I'm just on time. Like I'm walking up to the train station as the train is pulling in and stopping and it's only going to stop for, you know, 10 minutes, but that's enough time to, uh, tie my shoes and grab a snack <laughs> and get on. And, uh, <laughs> other folks are still leaving their houses, you know? So it's, it's just, uh, it, it's a, the market is ready for what I'm making and I'm ready to give the market what it wants. That's, that's how I feel right now. So we'll see, see how that turns out. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the manager side. Sorry for the vagueness. Um, <laughs> hopefully more soon. Uh, on the on the maker side, I I've gotten to a I think I've gotten to a state with the simulator, the backend piece of Summit that is um, it's like the core is doing what I wanted to do, and it's. Um, it's ready for me to add the other layers on top of it. So uh, obviously the UI, but so here's what I've been doing. I've been basically creating fixtures to test this core, let's call it. Um, and the fixtures are essentially the data that the UI needs to make or create. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to feed the thing. So all I need to do now really is like a JSON blob or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the fixtures are just, um, yeah, they're they're PyTest fixtures, but they're basically, you know, they're just objects, right? And yeah. I can I can now have the UI build and save those objects and pipe them right into the same thing. 
So I, I've basically been writing test fixtures, which are the same kinds of objects and things that the UI needs to create to use the core. It's just I'm doing it manually, writing these, you know, <laughs> writing these Python um, fixtures instead. So yeah. I think it's I think it's going to be a really easy transition, and it was great because it allowed me to keep that separation of concerns. Like if I found myself writing too much code, you know, how can I turn this into data instead? And it's, um, it's really interesting. Like what, what ultimately I came out with was a code base, at least in the, on the back end, the core that we're talking about, that's, um, what was it? Roughly 500 lines long, 600 lines long. And the previous one was like 2000. So just to make this more concrete, there's not a single line of code in the new version that sets a constant that Matt decided. So in the previous version, there was a whole lot of, there were a whole lot of, obviously there were a lot of variables that you could put into the, into the program, but there were also Mm. a lot of, there were also a lot of just kind of constants, best practices, um, default values that were being set in the simulation to control, you know, what happens um, in the new version. Can you give an example of that? Yeah. So one example of that would be um, how much does, what's the average amount of money that a new employee costs a company on a monthly basis? So not just the salary, but let's say the, all the SaaS subscriptions that a new employee needs, right? To, to have yeah. to work at your business. So you need a new yeah. seat on HubSpot, you need a new account on, you know, a new seat on GitHub, whether that costs you something or not, et cetera, right? Yeah, so, insurance, all this stuff. Yeah, and then insurance would be even another one, right? So in the in the prior way of doing things, I had two choices. I could either expose even more fields, form fields in the UI and say, about how much does it cost for a person, right? And like that becomes a number and that gets set. Well, I had hard coded it. I found an industry average. It was something like, you know, $43 and 50 cents US is what it costs on average for like all those subscriptions for a person. So I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I just set that number in the new version. You don't even have to have a cost on a person, but if you want to, you can, and you can even decide that it's a different number for an engineer than it is for a salesperson, or you can pick, yeah. or, or you can pick one value for everybody on your team. So it's completely you can decide what that number is. Um, I can still, obviously, if I want to expose some defaults in the UI that say, hey, by the way, based on this study, here's the average. If you just want to use that, I can actually have that be the placeholder text, right, in in the field. But yeah. here's the thing, like, I don't even have to expose that as a field. I can just have a sufficient pow- a power user can come along and say, hey, for every employee, let's add a cost, Right. And they can just say, you know, for each employee, add a cost, give that cost a name, subscription cost, here's the amount, right? And save. So that's really cool. Yeah. So it's just a whole nother level of abstraction, right? And then they can add yeah. another one which says, oh, yeah, and all of our employees that are full time, we offer benefits. So here's the health insurance cost, right? And oh, but these employees have families, so their health insurance cost is higher. Like, do whatever you want to do. Right is is basically the new 
way yeah, that's of really doing cool. it. Yeah, without me, and this is the key, without me having to expose more fields in a form that says, yeah. now give me an insurance cost. And then somebody comes along, they're like, well, we don't have insurance costs, but we have such and such a cost. And then it's like, okay, is that another field? And then is it optional? And like, basically I ha- have to create this massive field of fields. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Instead, I figured out a way to abstract all of that so that the end user can create these um, these pipelines, if you will, these equations and have them run at a certain time in the future based on certain data. And, and it just works. And basically my goal now is to, you know, you could call it summit script if you wanted to. It's almost like a domain specific <laughs> language that I created, but I don't expect anybody to be able to speak summit script yet. Right. So Good. really, really <laughs> yeah. So really if you want to think about it, like the UI, its job is to be, kind of an IDE, if you will, mm. but like no visible code, more like a visual studio. If folks know, like it should be as easy as like tab dot, <laughs> you know, like yeah. hit tab, hit a dot. Here's what's available to you. Right. So, yeah. so that people can make these forecasts as rich as they want to. And, as, and they're very, very flexible, but it should be, at least if you're using that user interface, you won't be able to, uh, crash your own forecast right you mm. it's all it's all sort of safe so you know it might take a long time um or it might do this or might do that but like it's not broken you have you can't break it that way so yeah. it's really a safe interface into all this flexibility and then you can see how over time the job of the product team at summit is to have that ide if you will be keeping up have that ide if you will keep up with the language underneath right so if the language mm, now yeah, if, the, yeah. if the language now has the ability to um you know uh what's a good example if the language now has the ability to do sensitivity analysis of some kind now the ide needs to support that new capability but it still yeah. doesn't mean that like we're assigning values for the user the user still gets to write the code <laughs> but the ide yeah. now knows that the language has evolved now we're on summit script 2.0 right or 1.5 <laughs> um, and i think that actually was a break so this is a breakthrough for me in building this product because i originally thought that people wanted forecasts and i think this goes back to the whole people don't want a drill bit they want a hole in their wall right mm. i think that I think we have to be careful with that wisdom because <laughs> carpenters want drill bits, right? Yeah, carpenters, that's true. yeah, they care about drill bits, right? Carpenters want drill bits. Uh, a homeowner, let's say, or somebody who just wants to hang a picture wants a hole in the wall, but carpenters want drill bits, and so even even that great wisdom of like people don't want X, they want the result. That's true if your if the tool is not and I, and I haven't figured this out yet really how to how to describe this, but when the tool is an extension of your self of your skill, you know it's like saying programmer this would be the bad application of that wisdom like programmers don't want um, great programming languages, they want great applications, and you're like, yeah. But 
<laughs> their job is to make great applications. So they actually do want great languages, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so right, like when you're yeah, making tools, it actually does matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, it's kind of like reminds me of like with branch with our positioning, like, so, like someone asked me kind of like what, what the difference difference was between branch and another tool and and kind of like the way i said it was the branch is for the professionals yes and they, they care a lot more about tooling than someone who's not a professional yes yes and so with summit i came at it with a what is a early early stage startup founder want he wants a forecast she wants a forecast let's give her a forecast that mm -hmm. was great that was great for those people actually they just want to click a few buttons and get a forecast but as soon as you care about the drill bit itself, as soon as you want to manipulate the tool, control the tool and how it works and change the threading and change the materials and change the all of that, um, you know, I want a stainless steel bit instead because I'm going to drill it like then it fell short. And so what I've actually done is gone all the way down to if you want to if you want to help author the tool like if you want to add these mods these configurations if you want to go that deep you can and then if you think about it the i just want to forecast version is a user interface with a big button and the ui what does it do it basically compiles down to code that the user doesn't care about like they don't they don't actually care to write their own uh how much money does it cost for an extra person code, right? Mm. They, they just want a button where they put in the number of people and it assumes that they have an average cost. And basically my UI's job is either allow users to write their own code, if you will, or to compile their very high level settings down into the same code, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and even if you have like if you have people at some point, which their job is to, you know, help other people create forecasts on Summit, you know, their end user care about getting a forecast, but the person creating that forecast, the professional, the service provider, or whatever you want to think about it, they they're going to care about the tool <laughs> and how it works. Exactly, exactly, and they're all using Excel, and they're all aware of Excel's limitations. Most of them are complete Excel mavens though. They're amazing with Excel. Yes. But they, yeah, but they, yeah. also, they also know where Excel falls short. So the challenge with this product is replacing Excel for power users of Excel. Hmm. Right? Because if they don't adopt it, then I, I'm actually convinced that they're the most important adopter um, mm. in, in the in the in the network, in the ecosystem that I'm going after. Like they actually don't want to use Excel anymore, but if they can't get into the tool, they're going to stick with Excel because they actually have to give an account for how did that hole get in that wall? Why is it the size that it is? How come it's not mm. deeper? All, all these things. And it's not good enough for them to say, I don't know. I, d I just snapped my fingers and there was a hole. <laughs> you know, like, why did you drill a six millimeter hole to hang a poster when you only need like a one millimeter drill or something like that exactly exactly they need to be able to explain and i actually had a really um exciting call uh with a um with a power user of excel for forecasting and he told me he's like look i'm not i 
I am really good at Excel. In fact, here's a template that I have that has pages and pages and pages of options and things you can do. Um, but I'm not loyal to Excel. And if you can create a tool that does this, but better, and by the way, here's the six things that it's, it's not good enough at, and I wish it could do better. Like I will, I will use what you make. And what I love about that then is that he can, or she or whomever in the future can use summit, like you said, to deliver very sophisticated and high value output for clients. And it's still better than them using Excel. They don't want to use Excel instead, right? So it's a better client delivery experience. The client can look at it, review it, and manage it better, the output. But it's also a better creation, create creative experience for them to make in the first place than using Excel. Um, that, to me... That's a I, nice bar to know. aim for. Yeah, yeah. It's It's no longer, you know, the bar to aim for is no longer, hey, does the output of the engine you know, is the whole, is the whole good enough as a whole that somebody drills with their own drill bit? It's like, no, the, the bar is, will a carpenter use this drill bit instead or use this drill instead? Right. And if they're, if they, if they do, then I, then that's, that's what I want. So that's actually my new, that's my new target. And then obviously the, the simpler use case is somebody's not a carpenter. What do they want? They just want to open the box and they want an arrow pointing to general purpose drill bit, use this one, right? <laughs> and they just use it for everything. That's what the general purpose tool is, right? It's the beginner's favorite because they're like, I don't really know if I'm going to do nature photography or sports photography or landscapes or portraits. I just need a general purpose camera, right? And so, Can I ask you a related question to that? Sure. How, how do you think people are evaluating Summit if it's good or bad? Like, would you do you think people go back and kind of like compare their forecast to the real like their previous forecast to the reality or their their the actual outcome or do you do you think it's basically they evaluated it as a tool to like create different scenarios and try out different things like how how do you think about that nobody is nobody's gotten to the point where they are going back months later and looking at the no results compared to reality that's definitely coming um but people don't hmm, how often do people do that with the spreadsheet versions right yeah but is that even the value that's kind of like why i'm what i'm touching at like what it's not the it's not the immediate value the immediate the value value is not necessarily to know like it's not it's i mean it's not like an oracle right like it's more of a no, the it's value. A, it's right. a way to test things out, and like as you said, like previously, like unit test your ideas, basically. Yeah, you. Here's the thing, man. It's it's really. Do you understand the different components? Yes, of your business, exactly. How they work together and what effect they have on one another. Do you understand? Yeah. That I was buying car insurance today. Yeah. And when he kind of like gave me the final price, I was like, okay, explain to me like the different things we can you know we can tweak and how that affects the price mm-hmm. and that's kind of it right like you want to understand how the model or like how this idea or model whatever you have business model what yes. how it's impacted by different things it's an it's an operating model that the founder yeah. puts together at the leadership yeah, team that's helpful together. that's yeah and, and here's the thing that way when someone asks you hey what difference would it make if 
let's say a third of the people that are signing up for your best plan, your most expensive plan, what would happen if they signed up for a slightly cheaper plan? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'd figure that out. Uh, yeah. You know, a forecast is is sort of a one way to look at it, where you're like, oh, well, if that were the case, then I guess a year from now our revenue would be different, right? And you could guess at what that revenue would be. But the most immediate benefit is being able to say, hold on, let's check. Oh, yep. If a third of people did that, like, here's what the impact would be to our cash. Here's what the impact would be to our, you know, uh, hiring plan. If there is one, here's what the impact would be to our profits for the year. Like, here are all the different impacts. And, oh, look, also our cost of acquiring customer would go up relative to the amount that they're paying us, right? Like, do you understand that? And I think most people have very tribal or isolated uh, fight. Feudal, <laughs> or I'm looking for yeah. five You know, they have very feudal knowledge of these different things. Like I understand sales in isolation. You know, I understand that faster sales is better. I understand marketing in isolation. I understand that lower cost requiring customer is better. I don't really understand how those so two weird. interact with each other, right? Let alone pricing and then product, etc. Right. So you should you should when like when you're evaluating the product, like you should be able to kind of see if you felt like you were able to make a more informed decision because you could understand the impact. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to companies right now that, you know, are thinking about freemium and most folks hesitate on freemium because they don't really understand or know the impact that it will be on their business. Yeah. Because it's kind of overwhelming to try to understand what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they know they know instinctually or at a gut level or a basic level that um, we'd have more leads, but they're like, then you get into cannibalization and cost to serve. And what if that slows down our sales cycle or what if people don't buy right away? Then that's why people look at leaders of companies, look at decisions like that needle moving decisions, Mm. very hard to make when you don't understand the ramifications of a decision like that, right? Yeah. So they don't, usually those decisions don't get made or, or they get made, yeah. but it's like, YOLO, <laughs> let's let's do it. And <laughs> um, the more mature a company gets, the less appetite, uh, the less tolerance there is of a YOLO leadership approach, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you get stuck. You don't make decisions. Right, analysis paralysis, you don't make decisions, yeah. you, hes- you hesitate. And it's all lack of confidence in the impacts of these things. And that's what I can, that's what this product can really drive away. And it can do that in a way that nothing else can right now, because in order to answer those questions, hey, let's think about all the impacts of freemium and let's spend hours and hours doing it and let's figure that all out. And and most people are just like, hey, I got other priorities. You know, I want to think strategically and, and think about all that, but you know, I, where do I begin, you know, and, and how do I, yeah. how do I think that? And the, I guess the cool thing is like with your new version of summit, your code base doesn't need to know freemium. No, it's something you kind of like you, you install freemium in the simulator, like a program basically. Yeah. You just declare freemium. So you would create another funnel, you download the, the freemium, freemium mod or something like that. Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this. So, um, there will be obviously best practices or easy ways to build these things. And you could see how 
different versions of Summit, maybe. Either if you got the free one, that's fine. But if you're willing, to, if you want to pay, you pay and you get a, you know, 16, you get, you get this template, right? The freemium template yeah. or the funnel uh, paid acquisition funnel template. And so if there's a founder that's like, I've got a little bit of money to spend. I don't have an analyst to sit here all day and do this. I also want to be a little more sophisticated. You can buy, you know, maybe, maybe you can buy a set of these mods or little configurations and it's the freemium one. What does that mean? It says right there, you know, about how many new signups per whatever, what's the conversion rate? Do they, you know, do they sit around forever? I mean, exactly like you said, like we can, we can just declare all of that. Yeah. And, and that's cool. Cause you can put in like, kind of like best practice or, you know, like it's a thing like in tiny seed, it's, that's where it's helpful to have for me, like to talk to someone like Rob, who has a lot of experience, someone like you or Einar, who has a lot of experience from previous startups and kind of like, you know, when I have a new idea, kind of like, what's your experience? Like, if you have a free plan, like, how does that impact your number of signups and the conversion rates and stuff like that? But it can also be put into code in Summit so other people can benefit from that, yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's what investors have been doing for years now is creating these SaaS and and um, spreadsheets and financial templates that try to yeah, that's right. enca- encapsulate their knowledge of all these things. But the problem is, is that there's there's so many of those and they're all different and it, they're just unwieldy and they and they get stale. So that's my thought is, you know, and, and by the way, this came to mind as I was saying, SaaS, um, it supports non-SaaS business models now. So the new version will support e-commerce and non-recurring sales and consultant cool. fees and whatever else you want to provide it with. Yes. So there's no actually requirement with this new architecture and with like, kind of like think about the, the mods or whatever we want to call them. Yeah. Like it also makes you, it makes it easier for you to differentiate on the price. Like maybe you can charge a SaaS owner differently than an e-commerce owner. Yeah. Yeah, and it also then helps me follow the scent because seasonality is a big it's a, it's a monster and yeah, seasonality matters more to some than others and yeah, you know, retail and e-commerce care. So, yeah, there's a lot of I can't wait to see how people really dig in and use it. Um I'm the first user, but uh, yeah, I I'm happy to say like the core is getting there. So, um yeah, can't, really awesome, excited, man. and and I'm aiming for end of end of June. My goal is to have it out by the end of June. Oh, okay, yeah, nice. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, before we stop this recording, you have to uh, you have to give an update on your auth setup. On my office setup, your auth. <laughs> Oh, oh, authentication. Yeah. You promised me before we start recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I had, uh, I had said you pivoted. <laughs> yeah, I had said how smart I was or thought I was for using Auth Zero, and yesterday I f- removed Auth Zero <laughs> from my <laughs> new version of Summit. And the um, the killer thing was, uh, there was not an easy way. And this is always risky because somebody out there might have the experience and that's great. Send me a note. Um, but I asked around, I Googled, I asked folks like Derek Reimer about this and very, very not straightforward. 
You know, on your homepage, you want to link people to logging in and signing up. And those are the two major calls to action on a homepage. Logging in, creating an account. Logging in, yeah. logging in, fine. There was a link for that. Yeah. Like a hosted link. It just sent them there. Boom, it's done. Do you know that there was no, in the documentation, there was no acknowledgement of or obvious way to set it so that when they go to that page, sign up is the focused mode. Like the, the sign up for a new account is, in other words, you, there's no there's sign up. primary action. Yeah, there's no sign up link. There's no link that says, <laughs> oh, by the way, here's the link you send people to to log in. Here's the link you send people to to sign up. It doesn't exist. How is that possible? <laughs> That's really sad. I think I know how it's possible. And I think it happens when your customers are primarily, and I'm going to like stereotype here a bunch, but like hospital networks who, you know, you don't, you don't log into your hospital account, right? If you're an administrator at a hospital, you don't log in, you know, you don't sign up actually better said by going to, you know, mayoclinic.whatever and then clicking sign up for a new account. You have been provisioned an ID. It's on your name badge. You sit yeah. down. You know, you sit down at your work terminal on the first day and you go to log in. You don't need a sign up. Like, yeah. You don't need a sign up. When you're an enterprise, there isn't sign up is handled by HR. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Log in is, is a daily activity. And, and that's the only way I can think. So, to be very clear, it exists. You can go to it. But to directly link somebody to it, knowing that it's the action they want to take from an external source, yeah. you can't do it. You, they yeah. have to go to the, they have to go like to the login first, thing and say, "I don't have an account. I want to sign up." That's ridiculous. For for a SaaS, like you, you want to have the sign up button in focus, and then the people that already are like converted, they can click the less kind of like this the smaller login link. Oh yeah, exactly. In SaaS, you want. Um, the exact opposite for the most part. If, if I had to have one as a default, <laughs> assume they don't have an yeah. account and then they can say, already have an account sign in here. But um, there were some really weird kludgy ways to like pass in a, a, a argument to a, you know, to some JSON. And then when they hit the page, the hosted page, if you edit the hosted page, you can pass. I'm like, this is, ins- this is a red flag. Like this is, <laughs> this is many red flags waving all at the same time. <laughs> but I am not your target customer. You have not made this easy for me. And I'm paying you $49 a month to do one thing, which is to prevent me from having to deal with any of this. And you are now failing. Yeah. You are now failing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I talked to Derek and Derek's like, I think you won't regret it. So I spent probably three or four hours yesterday and about two or three hours this morning. Got rid of Auth0, put back in my Django all off and my social logins and Tailwind UI for all the forms. And I'm a happy camper again. You know, it's unfortunate. I, I didn't. I wanted. I wanted to delegate this to somebody else, and um, it didn't happen. And I'm. I'm too. I'm now. I'm too much in a hurry to like shop around for other things. And I just decided. You know what? I'm just going to in-house this. Forget it. So crazy. Yeah. Crazy. crazy. I. Uh, the reason I wanted you to tell that story was also because it was a nice segue into <laughs> something I experienced. Hmm. <laughs> um. It's. Yeah, it's about like understanding your customer and 
I guess like the whole thing we've been talking about, about how important product is. And yeah. it's not enough to just be hustling. It's not enough to just like have like an enterprise sales team or a cool like marketing hack or something like that. Like you also need a good product. Um, yeah. And the, the, the funny thing that happened was that last week I tweeted something like kind of like spicy on Twitter, something <laughs> like startup idea, um, a search engine like DuckDuckGo that works for other languages. Um, because <laughs> I have DuckDuckGo as my default search engine. And sometimes if it's like, if I'm searching in English or if it's like a programming question or something like that, sometimes I'll like give DuckDuckGo the benefit of the doubt and, and use that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever, ever had a relevant search query returned um, or search result ret- returned when I queried in Danish. Wow. Like not a single time. Like wow. I get the weirdest results when I try to do it in Danish. Huh. And if I get something that's not English, it's like Swedish or Norwegian or something like that. Hmm. It's just a really, really bad experience. And it's I, it, so I just like kind of thought to myself that, okay, this is for English only. And that's just too bad. And then literally the same day I was driving my car and on all the bus shelters around here, they have DuckDuckGo advertising at, at, um, advertisements, which is weird because it's like in the countryside in Denmark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they have them everywhere wow. and they're in Danish and they're like, want to get like more privacy, like all this stuff. And I just thought like, because it's kind of funny, right? Because one of the founders of DuckDuckGo wrote the traction book. And I just thought like, okay, they're obviously trying to get into a new market, but it's also like very obvious that they'll burn through like all 19 traction channels in that book before like they maybe realize what, what the problem is. And it's because their product sucks in Denmark. Interesting. And it doesn't matter how hard they hustle or whatever. Like it's just not going to work as long as the product is in the state it is currently. Wow. Yeah. No, but does it matter how much, how many uh, boards you, you buy? I mean, imagine the experience people are going to have. Yeah, it's the, just the, gonna be even yeah. worse, right? I mean, the, yeah, the ROI is actually going to be negative. Oh, yeah, they're oh, going to like see how bad this thing is before it's ready. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like I don't know. I just felt like it was. Um, I don't know if this is a saying in English, but in Danish we say that it's it's water on our it's water on your mill. <laughs> it's I feel like it's water <laughs> in my mill in terms of like spending more time on the product in the early days and making sure you have the right thing before you go like out hustling oh, too okay. hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, re- I appreciate that. As, some- as somebody that realized his product was not what it needs to be and then went underground. <laughs> it's going on, it's underground. Yeah, water water on my mill. Is that the... Uh... Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's important. And I, I think... I don't understand. I don't really understand that for DuckDuckGo because I would not describe DuckDuckGo as a marketing-first culture or anything. I know Gabriel's brilliant and he's a polymath in that sense, so I don't really know why. But I, I do think in some businesses, it's easy to miss the product shortcomings if you think that every problem is a leads problem in a marketing culture and a sales culture. Yeah. Every, every problem is a leads yeah, problem. Yeah. Obviously, we all know the you know the fact that in a product engineering culture, every problem is a feature 
you know, has a feature solution, but there is the opposite, which is, you know, it's really hard to fix retention and value delivery and value creation with more leads. (laughs) It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, And like, if, if you're the, if the, the odds were high that your first search with DuckDuckGo was super relevant, you know, they would have a really good ROI on those those ads because a lot of people would be trying it out and be like, oh, this is good. Yeah, yep. Um, but it's going to have the opposite effect. Yeah, fascinating. Well, <laughs> well I just thought example. I would share that because I yeah. thought it was an interesting experience Yeah, and uh, kind of weird that it happened, all happened on the same day. But yeah, yeah let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's stop before the hour mark. All right, we did it. Thanks just for uh, rescheduling, and uh, hopefully, I'll get this edited bef- while it's still Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Thanks so much, man. Talk awesome. to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.